I've got time to start, uh, so we'll go ahead and get started uh, tonight. <clears throat> welcome to those of you that are obviously here in person, but also I want to make sure I welcome those of you that are online. Um, I'm glad, glad we've all been able to, to gather together. I, I don't know about y'all, but some days are just harder than other days. <laughs> um, today's been one of those days for Virginia and I, we've uh, just been through, we had a few things to take care of, and um, anytime there's business stuff going on, it's like, um, I wish it'd just go away, you know, <laughs> but uh, today's been one of those days, and then just running around and accomplishing different things associated with that, it's like, I'm I'm glad to be here, <laughs> and uh, I'm glad to be among among friends and among Christian brothers and sisters, because, um, boy, the world sometimes will drive you nuts. Um Anyway, that's more about me than you wanted to know, but today's been a hard day, so jump in there with me tonight, and uh, we'll, I've got several places in tonight's lesson where you'll have a chance to comment, and I'm interested in your ideas and your thoughts uh, about uh, several of the things we'll talk about, about tonight, so, so just, just be ready. I'll, I'll warn you when that time comes. Uh, are there any particular announcements or uh, prayer requests that we need to make mention of tonight? Uh, I want to make sure of that. Any announcements or, or particular prayer requests? Um, okay. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's pause and have a word of prayer together then. Our Father, we are grateful that we have the opportunity to be here tonight. Uh, we're grateful, Father, that you take care of us and uh, see after us, Father, and bless us so much more than we deserve. Father, we praise your name, we, we praise your glory, and we praise you, Father, for all of the, the wonderful things you've done for us, the beauty of the world that you've created, and, and the love that you've demonstrated to us, Father, in, in so many different ways. Father, we thank you for each person here tonight, each family represented, and we pray, Father, that you'd be with us and help us as we share together about things we've learned about your word and with the goal and purpose of all of us living better lives, Father, and being more pleasing to you in everything that we go about. Defeat us in what's wrong, Father. Help us to uh, overcome our sins and help us to always glorify You and the things that we do and say and even think about. And Father, be, be with those that are suffering in one way or another with some physical illness. And certainly, Father, there are several, even if we didn't mention any tonight. Um, we recognize that uh, we are frail and that things do happen. And certainly we pray for each of those situations, and, and you know what they are. Father, above all, we want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his love. We thank you for the life that he lived to show us how to live, but also for the death he died for our sins and not his. We pray that we'd always be a grateful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, just uh, briefly from last week, uh, we, we talked, um, went back and captured a few of the final qualities of elders that we had not discussed before. Uh, and then we talked about the qualifications, qualities of deacons, and we went through the list in 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, unfortunately, I went very quickly and too quickly over, over a couple of topics. And, and those couple of topics come, come right after that. And one was about the mystery of godliness, and I want to go back and talk a bit about that tonight. Uh, the other one was relative to the apostasy that's um, that's um, put forward discussion in First uh, Timothy chapter four, the first five verses, when it talks about the coming apostasy. So we're going to go back and pick up on those before we go further uh, into chapter four. 
So turn with me in your Bibles to First uh, Timothy chapter three. Um, we're actually going to look at the the last verse there, uh, where it discusses the mystery of godliness. Now, obviously, we we are aware of the context of Scripture, the context of the Bible. The purpose of the Bible is is the salvation of man, telling the story of the salvation of man. Obviously, a real pivotal pivotal point in that is is the gospel, the gospel about Jesus. And and in First Timothy chapter three verse sixteen, we get a very, uh, I guess you could say, compact sort of statement of the gospel. And I want us to to kind of go through that a little bit, a line at a time, just to be able to uh, focus in on some things that are there. So first, let's let's just read that that verse, uh, so we all can kind of start from the same baseline. Uh, the version I'm going to be using tonight for this particular verse is actually New King James Version. I know that's different from what I typically use, so I'm, so I'm letting you know. The New King James there says, and without, contro- excuse me, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Let's start on the first part of that. Um, you know, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Okay, God was manifested in the flesh, we know as, as Jesus, right? So, so Jesus came to the earth. Jesus was God in, in fleshly form, walking about on the earth and encountering the things that we, we encounter. You know, one of the names of Jesus is what? Emmanuel. And Emmanuel meaning what? God with us. And literally, God did walk amongst men uh, during that very brief time. Now, bear with me just a minute, guys. To me, one of the most, maybe the most remarkable aspect about Jesus is, is God demonstrated in Jesus His willingness obviously to die for our sins, but also His willingness to what? Come and live amongst us so that we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus. That's no small statement, and we need to appreciate that. I I think it's real easy to run over this mystery of godliness and Jesus walked on the earth, and we've heard it so many times, but, but the Creator of the universe felt that we were important enough to walk amongst us. And not only walk amongst us, but by doing so, he did he did what? He he demonstrated his his love for us. He demonstrated his love for us. He didn't have to come, but he did because he loved us. He cared about us. And uh, turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Many of you may be able to quote this verse, but Romans chapter five, two verses. We'll start in verse seven. <clears throat> For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That verse gets quoted a lot. Uh, Don't let it become routine. Think about it. God demonstrated His love for us. He was willing to die for us while we were still sinners. 
The mystery of godliness is, is great. Look at justified in the Spirit. And I'm going to ask you a question about this in just a minute about how the Spirit was involved in Jesus' life. Uh, some versions, instead of justified, say vindicated. Vindicated. Do any of your versions have another word other than justified or vindicated? Is there another word? No? Okay. Well, either way, the Spirit of God was involved. Either way, the Spirit of God was involved in Jesus being on the earth. Now, my question to you is, tell me how. I'd like for you all to give me some feedback. How, how was the Spirit involved in Jesus being on the earth? What would you say to that? Oh. By the Holy Spirit, He was conceived, right? From the very beginning. Okay, Doug, thank you. What else? How else was the Spirit involved in Jesus' life? Okay, he was led out by the Spirit into the wilderness, into the desert to be tempted of the devil. Okay, how else? Do you remember who told? Uh, excuse me, not who told. Do you remember at the, at the baptism of Jesus? Who appeared? Spirit appeared as a dove. God the Father's voice from above, but the Spirit appeared as a dove. Jesus did what with the Spirit? Jesus told of the Spirit's coming. Right? He said what? After I leave, the Father will send a helper. And that helper was the Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit do? Well, the Holy Spirit was to bring to remembrance all the things Jesus had taught. So even to this day, we benefit from the Holy Spirit's interaction with Jesus because we still can read, read the words that have been recorded for us. So, so the Holy Spirit was very much involved. And there probably are other ways we could point to, but very much involved with the life of Jesus. Now, again, look, look at... the. 1 Timothy 3.16 again, seen by angels. So the same sort of question. I'd like for you all to tell me, how do you think angels were involved in Jesus' life? Were they? Okay, an angel appeared to Mary. At the, at the time of his birth, angels rejoiced, right? I mean, they rejoiced about his birth. Uh, what about when Jesus was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness? And after the 40 days, what, what does the Bible say? They came and ministered to him. Rachel says that's exactly right. They came and ministered to him. Uh, so again and again, they, they were involved. What about at the tomb? They go and the, and the stone is rolled back. Well, who's sitting out there? Angels. Angels inside the tomb. So, in the garden, an angel came to give him strength. So, so throughout his life, there is this interweaving of angels in Jesus' life in addition to what we've already discussed with the Holy Spirit. So, um, look at the next part. Preached among the Gentiles. Well, certainly... Jesus himself preached to the Gentiles. You know, the woman at the well was a Samaritan woman. Uh, Jesus, I guess you could say, preached and when he healed the centurion's servant. 
right? Again, likely a Greek person, likely a Gentile person. Uh, so, and, and obviously throughout history since Jesus, uh, including somebody preaching to us, Jesus is being preached to Gentile people. So, so very much appreciate the fact that, that what it says, he's been preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world. He was believed on then by some. He's believed on now by some. And then received up uh, into glory. Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verses 9 and 10 is what I want to look at here. It says, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. Jesus was received up into glory. And, and obviously his ascension was witnessed by, by many people. So, you know, we hear this story a lot, y'all, but this is, what's the old phrase? The greatest story ever told. This is the greatest story ever told. This is it. And, and we hopefully can never become dull to it and can never uh, be so insensitive that that doesn't touch us about it because we need to appreciate God's love for us and what, what His plans are for us. So, so great is the mystery of godliness. Any other comments about the mystery of godliness? Okay. Alright, well let's, let's look ahead a little bit more then and talk about the apostasy. The first five verses in the next chapter. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I'll read those. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. By means of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God in prayer. Now, let's look at this verse by verse, or piece by piece. Verse 1, that the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Uh, what was the Tom Hanks movie a few years ago? What, angels and demons or something like that? I almost never see the movies, so okay. Okay. Well, it sounds kind of like a movie thing to say doctrines of demons or deceitful spirits, but there it is. I mean, it is in Scripture that, that those things are a part of what there is to be dealt with. It's not just a sound pipe. Turn to Ephesians. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, we want to look at verses 11 and 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11 and 12. It says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Brethren, even today, our battle is against the darkness that the devil brings to the earth. Think about it. Sexual perversion. 
abortion, child abuse, um, gender identification issues, crime, drugs. These are evil powers in our world today. And I think anybody who's lived life very long and has known anyone that's been affected by this or been involved with this, you know it's, it's a real power that people have to deal with today and, and we have to deal with. So there are deceitful spirits. There are doctrines of demons even today. And we have to deal with that. You know, that's what we're, that darkness is what we're supposed to wage our warfare against. So look at, back to 1 Timothy chapter 4, look at verse 2. Uh, by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Okay, <clears throat> I grew up in a little town outside of Phoenix City, Alabama. Out in the country. We thought it was out in the country. It wasn't out in the country compared to where some folks live at even today. But uh, I don't know if any of y'all ever ran around barefooted in the summertime. Any, anybody else admit to running around barefooted in the summertime? I did. And, and what happens? Well, you're, the soles of your feet get thick and you get to where you can walk on gravel and you don't care. Now, I don't know that my kids ever did that that much, but I did. And, and it's, it's a real thing. Well, they're insensitive, right? And that's obviously an analogous thing. To Are we becoming insensitive to, to sinful things? Well, I don't know. You know, are, are, are you the sort of person that says, oh, well, people can use bad language around me. It, it, it doesn't bother me or... People can tell a racially tinged joke. It, it doesn't bother me. Well, if that's true, guess what you've become? You've become insensitive. So, so think about that. You know, Think about your sensitivity, your relationship with the Lord and how you want to live and, and how you want to be pleasing to God. But understand, we all can become insensitive. Brethren, evil, re, real evil in the world, we ought to hate it. We ought to hate what it does to people. I don't know if you've seen people suffering through drugs or alcohol or those kind of things, but I have. And we ought to hate it. Because it's very real. And it's destroyed so many lives. Um, let's look at verse 3. Men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude. For it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. Uh, verse 3, this verse we just read, offers a pretty direct condemnation of some uh, religious practices that some religious groups do today. I think we're aware of that. But, but the principle, let's think about the principle behind that is. The, the principle behind that is any, any self-made, any man-made religious practice is sinful. right? Our religious practice should come from where? It should come from, from God. And we don't need to confuse the two. And it's apparently easy to do because, because it happens so much. If we, if we limit the things God says to do, well, that's its own problem. But certainly if we go beyond the things God says to do, well, that's, that's another problem. Uh, and, and let's not forget the principle. You know, man-made practices stand in contrast to the things that God alone has commanded us to do. So there is this contrast. So 
uh, think of whatever man-made practice you want. Contrast it to, I don't know, love, joy. <laughs> you know, fill in the blank, right? Any of the fruit of the Spirit, any good action, any good quality that's commanded in Scripture, you can contrast it to that. Now, having said that, though, <clears throat> some people have decided to do things like live a life of isolation. Some people have decided to do things like, oh, even extreme things. I mean, some people have had themselves uh, flagellated, as the term, beaten, and things like that. Or I read an article not too long ago about even in the Philippines where some people had I guess not to death, but they had allowed themselves to be put on a cross as though all of these sorts of things would somehow bring them <clears throat> closer to God. Well, that's not what God asks us to do. Uh, but God does ask us to do other things that, frankly, are harder. You know how hard it is to be just sometimes? Uh, those of you that are parents, sometimes you get presented with problems and you think, it would take the wisdom of Solomon to know how to answer this situation, right? But, but to be a just person is not always easy. To practice mercy is not always easy. And certainly to be faithful to God is not always easy. Uh, some of these artificial practices of, that men have thought of or dreamed up or whatever, yeah, you can go do that and check that box and think it draws you closer to God, but reality is God says no. No, that, that's not what I'm asking you to do. So I think it's important uh, for us to think about the more fulfilling things that God has asked us to do, but, but realize too that sometimes they're, they're harder. Uh, you know, things that just make us, of course, self-flagellation and beatings and things like that don't make us feel good. But maybe there's some other action that, that, that you think needs to be done or should be done or might make you feel good. Well, feeling good is not what we're about, right? I mean, we're, we want to feel good, but I want to feel good because why? Because I've done what God asked me to do. Not because I dreamed up something that, that I thought would, would make me feel good. So I'm going to ask you all about any comments about apostasy in this context. Any, any comments you all would like to make? I mean, certainly we encounter things today, and uh, I want to open the floor. Any comments uh, that the group would like to make regarding apostasy? Yeah, there, so, so there are practices that are going on even today in, in the Montgomery area that are unsound practices, unsound doctrine that, that's going on even amongst some of the brethren that you, you're aware of. And right. No, and I, I would not either. I, I would take it back to the principle involved, right? Let's, let's talk about the principle involved. I mean, we have clearer scripture about things we should be about in things, and frankly, things that we should not be about. Um, and, and we need to be careful. But the principle is certainly true 
uh, that, that men have this tendency to drift away. And, and we need to be on guard about that. And, and we need to be on guard about it for ourselves. You know, does my heart drift away? Is there something that I let slide that I shouldn't let slide? Is there some practice that I have that I shouldn't have? And, and we need to ask ourselves that question and, and be very careful and frank and honest with ourselves because God knows the answer. Others, other other comments, Daniel. So the concern about someone, I, I won't restate everything you said, but the concern about some someone or the tendency of people uh, to want to feel good about something that they've done, and in this particular reference or situation, the reference was about acapella music versus other music. And we need to be careful. We need to be careful. Anyone else before we go on to the next topic? And Doug's point, for those of y'all that might not be able to hear, is that we need to be praying and concerned about our elders every day because they're having to defend against um, these kinds of practices that we've been talking about or, or the, the tendencies of people to go and do some of these things. So thank you, Doug. Appreciate that. All right, well, let's, let's look on a little bit further. Um, <clears throat> I want to look at this uh, idea of being a good servant or being a good minister. Some of your versions may list that at the next paragraph. Uh, being discussed here. So, you know, I've said before that, <clears throat> you know, I think we're all preachers in some way, even if we never get behind a pulpit because somebody's looking at us. Somebody's looking at how we're living our lives and we're conveying a message, whatever that message is, good or bad. And we need to be careful about that. But certainly here, Timothy has a, has a special role, a particular role around the kind of preaching that he is responsible about. And, and there's there are a lot of things said here, but I think there are a lot of Again, principles that we can all learn from, uh, that we can all benefit from. So uh, I'm going to start reading and read verse 6 and 7. 
Uh, this is actually from the ESV, the English Standard Version. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. I want you to notice a contrast here. Uh, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus. Then he says, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So, so the first part of the contrast is the faith and the good words of sound doctrine that you have followed. What's the second part? The second part is have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Sometimes contrasting one thing versus another one is a good way to bring it out. Uh, and he certainly does that here. You know, Don't waste your time. We should not waste our time. We should focus on the, on the good doctrine and the, the things that are there in Scripture and understand that contrast. Here's another contrast. Um, let's find the other contrast. It's verse 9. Let's look at verse 9 and 10. This, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we, we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Okay, trustworthy statement. For to this end, we toil and strive. Why? Because we have our hope set on the living God. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do it? He asks that question or gives a reason here. But I think it's an important question for us to ask ourselves. You know, why am I doing what I am doing? You know, what's my real bottom line? You know, we get into a lot of trouble when we don't ask that question. And when we don't ask ourselves, why am I doing what I'm doing? We get into trouble. Sometimes we get, we don't, we get confused. We don't really know why we're doing what we're doing. We don't really understand why we're doing what we're doing. We don't know the background. Uh, you know, it's real easy to make a rule. It's hard to understand the principle or the reason behind the rule. God wants us to know the why, the principle or the reason. You know, why are we doing what we're doing? Well, if we don't ask ourselves why, things can become confusing because you don't understand how all it relates together. Things can become blurry. You can get off on the wrong track. So, uh, you know, I think it is very important for us to, to ask ourselves why. Why do we do the things that we do religiously? Why do we do the, whatever you do in the run of the day of your life? Why do you do it? And to really spend some time trying to understand that to help clarify confusion that might otherwise exist in your life. So it's real easy in today's world between just being busy with work and, and school or whatever and busy with entertainment that you don't ever get around to why. And then you end up in a situation where it's like, how do I even get here? What do I do? And, and we've all been there. I, I certainly have been there. And it's usually from a failure to ask why, understand why, and then act accordingly. Now, <clears throat> I, I said before, you know, the, the several of these verses are about Timothy's specific role, but again, there are principles here for all of us. Look at verse 11, verse 12. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your, you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. You know, don't let anyone look down on your age, but you be a good example. So, uh, 
I think he's sort of translating again to Timothy to say, you know, what's your why? You know, what, what are you, what's your backdrop? Well, my backdrop is I want to be a good example. I need to be a good example. And I, you know, and I, that should help motivate me in, in a lot of situations where someone might otherwise look down on me. We encounter situations where people look down on us or make some snide comment or whatever. Well, if we understand our why, it's a whole lot easier to press through those kinds of times. And I think that's part of the encouragement he's giving uh, Timothy here. Let's look at the action verbs. I want to look at uh, verses 13 down through verse 16. He says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Persist in this. Bear down on it. You know, be intentional about it. You know, dwell on it. Don't let it be an accident. Um, you know, do I do that? I have to ask myself, do I do that? Am I making that sort of intentional focus on these things to make a difference in my life or not? Well, only I know the answer to that and God knows the answer to that. In truth, sometimes people say, well, you know, I think this person's genuine and they're not. And sometimes they think they're not genuine and they are. So really, the only person that knows the answer to that question is you and God. But, Am I authentic is a real question. You know, am I being authentic? Or am I putting on an act? You know, real spirituality is not a show. Real spirituality is not a job. Real spirituality is what? What's real spirituality? It's every breath. It's every moment. It's everything you think about. It's what you do. It never gets far away from you. Then you're You're authentic. Well, brethren, this, this challenges me. It challenges hopefully all of us to say, you know, am I authentic or not? I've got to answer that question. Well, more importantly, I, even though than asking the question, I've got to answer it. And I want to answer it correctly. And one of the ways to answer it correctly is to bear down, to persist in these action verbs. You know, again, look at them. Uh, you know, devote yourself. Do not neglect the gift you have. Immerse yourself in them. Keep a close watch on yourself. Persist in this. I wrote down here, especially in today's society. <clears throat> Today, people by and large, my experience has been that people by and large are not really so much interested in the differences in religious groups. Some are, but not everybody. Seems like the more common question we encounter today is what? Is there even a God? And even if there is a God, why should that trigger a difference in my life? Is there a God? And even if there is a God, why should that trigger a difference in my life? Well, we, we say, well, okay, I, I, I can sit down in the Bible and show you that. Okay, well, well, before you get the opportunity to sit down and do that, they're going to be looking at what? They're going to be looking, pardon your life, exactly, Rachel. They're going to be looking at your life. And if your life does not come across as the genuine article, what are they going to do? 
they're not going to listen to you. I mean, you can talk. They can sit there. But they're not going to listen to you. So part of us being more effective in evangelism is what? Being authentic. Being the real deal. Because in today's world, people are, not that it hasn't always been this way at some level, but, uh, but I think today's world, it, you have to be authentic. You know, the Holy Spirit through Paul says that it needs to be who we are. And, and we see that here. Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Do not rebuke an older... Again, he's speaking to Timothy, a younger minister. Some people think Timothy might have been mid to late 30s. Maybe he was younger than that. But certainly compared to Paul, he was younger. Uh, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, younger women as sisters in all purity. You know, so so this advice to the younger man is to say what? Don't, Don't just be obnoxious with an older person, right? To... Uh, admonish them, encourage them. Encourage them as you would encourage others. Now even, you need to even encourage women, even younger women, but what? Be careful. Be careful. Right? Do it in purity. And, and I would say even make sure it appears in purity. Right? Well, because there's some things some people do that, that they, they are pure, they're doing things purely, but it doesn't appear that way sometimes. And, and I don't know about you, but I think people talk. <laughs> And, and, and that's just reality. Well, we don't want people to talk about us. We don't want people to talk about us as members of a body of Christians either and reflect negatively upon the church. So, so he tells Timothy in this situation to do what you do, but do it in purity. Uh, you know, even if you don't care about your reputation, care about the church's reputation. You know, Paul says somewhere else, we'll avoid the very appearance of evil. And sometimes that takes an extra step. Sometimes that takes a step back from what, and say, well, I might be able to do this. Well, yeah, you might be able to do it. But how does it appear? And let's ask ourselves that question and be careful. Now, the relationship, the the challenge he's giving Timothy is to be careful in how he relates to older people and how he relates to women. Conflict can occur. And I'm going to ask you all to tell me something in just a few minutes about what you've learned from conflict in your life. And I'm interested to hear some of y'all give me some feedback on that. So let's, let's pause for just a minute about conflict. How many conflicts that we get involved with can be handled by a two-way conversation? Now, I don't mean talking past each other. When you, you know, one person says one thing, another one says the other thing would be totally, totally ignoring what the other person said. That's not a conversation. <clears throat> That's two individuals talking past one another. How many conflicts can actually be managed by having a conversation? I would say a lot. Not everyone, you know. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 12? As far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men, right? Well, it doesn't just depend on you, right? So sometimes there's still conflict. But conflict is, is a real thing. I, you know, when, when you talk to somebody, you know, if you say something and they say something in response, don't spend your time thinking about how am I going to respond to what they're saying. Spend your time doing what? Listening to them. Try to understand where they're coming from. I, I, I bring this up because I think it is a, a useful thing in terms of trying to resolve conflicts that we get involved with. You know, I think a lot of the perceived differences that we have with, with lots of people go away when we have a real conversation. Uh, in a Facebook world, it's real easy to talk past one another. 
And let's not let's not be guilty about that. So number one is have a good conversation. Number two is assume goodwill. Maybe the other person is a scallywag, but I'm not going to call him a scallywag until until it's proven to be that way, right? Um, assume goodwill. Maybe this person knows something, sees something, has experienced something that I haven't. And I need to assume goodwill over them until until I guess proven otherwise. And then and then finally do what you do in, in love, right? We're told to speak the truth in love. Well, you got to do both parts. You can't just speak the truth harshly and be right with God. You've got to speak the truth in love. And those are important parts. So, so this idea of conflict is, is important in Paul's advice to Timothy. Here is, you know, be careful about how you deal with your interactions with your brothers and sisters, and we need to do that. Comments. I told you I'd open it up to your comments about what you've learned about handling or managing conflicts or difficult relationships. I'm all ears. Okay, get ready. You can't avoid conflict. Very good point, Daniel, right? If you're living and breathing, you're going to encounter conflict somewhere along the way. I've had to deal with a lot in the past two days. <laughs> but uh, but you're going to encounter it. It's, it's just part of living and, and living with other people. Okay, so number one, be ready. What else have you learned about conflict? Listen and stay calm. Okay, why? So Keith makes the point about in his work, nine out of ten people he interacts with are upset when they call him. Uh, but, but he tries to calmly listen to them because primarily they're mad at their computer. They're not mad at him. Uh, but but I think it's somewhat disarming even when people listen to, when they're listened to and they're expecting people to argue back at them. And when you don't, it's sometimes it's a little bit disarming to them. Good point. Other things, what have you learned about dealing with conflict? Some people would say, avoid it at all costs. Well, that's, I, I, sometimes I'm guilty of that, okay? But that's not good, right? Because you need to work through some things. And that's a lesson I keep reminding myself of over and over again, uh, of conflict avoidance. Now, managing conflict is a different thing from conflict avoidance. What have you learned about conflict? Y'all don't have conflict? Y'all are like, it's another minute. If we can make another minute, he'll shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> conflict. We live with it all the time. And sometimes we live with it and we go silent. Right? As though the conflict's going to go away because we go silent. That's not going to happen either. Uh, it's tough. It's hard. But it's rewarding and worthwhile if we work to resolve the conflicts we have. So, I would encourage you to think about that in relative to the scripture that we just talked where he's giving advice to Timothy about dealing with older men and brothers or, or, or men more his age or women or younger women. Um, there can be situations there about conflict and you've got to be careful about that um, in how you deal with it. So try to learn from other people. Don't make all the same mistakes I've made. All right, thank you all very much. I appreciate it very much.